0: Welcome to 7 Questions About Death, I'm Beth Janssen. Most people are pretty uncomfortable talking about death. I hope this program can help to change that, and make death a more natural topic of conversation. This episode brings together excerpts from the previous nine episodes. Question 1. What do you believe happens to a person's consciousness or spirit after the body dies?
1: I think I'm I'm a bit undecided. I think there is something larger out there in terms of spirit or there's mystery and things that we can't explain. Uh, So I feel like there is something else out there, but I don't really know what it is.
0: Nothing. So, it's like a light being shut off, or? Yeah.
2: I believe, and I get to, that there is a continuation.
3: Obviously, I'm not really sure, (laughs) but um, I'm pretty sure something continues on afterwards.
4: I think nothing happens to those. Uh, everything we have being conscious seems to be connected to our perceptual apparatus, I suppose. And so when that stops working, there'd be no, uh, there'd be nothing there to, to be conscious of.
5: I truly don't know exactly, but I'm going to talk from a religious and cultural point of view.
6: The short answer would be nothing. I don't really believe in um, a separation of of mind and body or consciousness and body. And so when our body stops working, so does our mind.
7: That's a big question. Essentially, I do believe there is a spirit. I believe it leaves the body eventually. There's a process involved that's more complicated than I understand.
8: And I believe that the energy or the spirit leaves the body. It's not a candle, it's not a snuffing out. I believe there is a transition. I always think of it as a kind of cosmic pool.
0: Question two. Have you ever been present when someone else's life ended? Yes. Is there anything you feel comfortable sharing about
9: that experience? Oh, <laughs> this is going to make me very sad because of my belief system. The finality of it makes it very sad. Because for me, that's it. The version of them that I knew, I don't see again. It's very hard. But yes, I've seen one human pass and I've seen one animal pass as well.
3: I mean, in the case of my friend who died quite young, Uh, She died in an ICU room and after uh, an illness and I had been in the hospital room. There were many people there because she had a a big community and they were all outside in the waiting area outside the ICU where people can sit. And uh, I had been in the room for, I don't know, a couple of hours maybe uh, with her and her partner and her brother and another friend. And then I went out. Maybe I don't remember why I left the room, uh, but I was out in the waiting area with, all, with this large group of people. And suddenly I heard her voice in my head and she said, what are you doing out there? Leave those people, get back in here. I need you in here. And it, it, was, um, it was so clear and um, direct. And I just stood up uh, and I walked back into the ICU room and uh, she died shortly after that. And yeah, that was a really uh, stunning experience because it was so unexpected.
5: So this was my grandmother. I was there when she died and she was at the hospital. And I remember I was there with my aunts as well. We were just talking to her and we were holding our hands and just talking. And before I know what was going on, she just made like a big sigh and she stopped talking. And I kept calling her and she wasn't responding. It was crazy. It was different. Just saying that, I think everything just flashed. At that moment, like, what just happened? I was just speaking to this person like some minutes ago. How come they're not responding? It was very scary. It just made me realize that life is spiritual. Life is is a lot, like, you know, it's crazy how you can be talking to someone right now and you just can't talk to them anymore.
0: Question three. Have you ever experienced communication from someone who is no longer alive in the physical world? Or have you wondered if you were receiving communication from someone who was no longer alive?
5: Yes. And that was from my grandmother. You know, when she passed, I couldn't sleep. I think I stayed at my cousin's place for like some days. And I was really, really heartened. I think on the third night, I don't know, I just slept off. So I had a dream. In the dream, she just said, everything is okay. Don't be sad. That's life. And people die. I could feel that presence when I woke up. And I think after that day, that was when I started feeling better. And I tried to sleep and I'm able to sleep. Well, yeah, I think
1: that was it. It came as a form of a dream. When my Oma passed when I was 13, I was really close with her. And she came to me in a dream about a month after she died. And she just reassured me that she was okay and that she was. in a good place and just really like affirmed her love of me. And again, that it just felt like a really calm, settled feeling.
8: I've never received a communication that I recognized as someone trying to communicate with me. I mean, directly. I don't know what form that would take, a voice, uh, whispering. That's how I imagine those things. And sort of nothing like that ever happened. But then, you know, there's dreams. So I often dream about my father, dream about my brother. Are those communications? It's quite possible that they are. And I do sometimes have experiences, just like small things, you know, where I tend to think something else has been whether that's someone who's trying to contact me. I've never felt that. I never felt that at all.
0: It sounded like you are about to say that you felt a presence.
8: Well, call it a presence. You hear a knock. You feel something. You feel a shiver. I don't know what it is. Something that makes you sort of aware. Something.
7: I was in like grade, hmm, I want to say like grade five, and a um, classmate of mine passed away from cancer, and I was laying in bed uh, one night. and I just woke up in the middle of the night and I felt that she came to me, and it was just sort of this light above me, and I could I could just feel her presence. And a very basic message that she was communicating to me was that I had a really important purpose.
0: Question four. Who do you want to be with you when you die? And what circumstances would you choose if you could choose
2: them? I would find an ideal circumstance for me, I'll go for that one first, is that I could move into a meditative state. That's my preferred. And I don't need to be sitting up. Lying down is fine if I need to. I would prefer to be calm. I would prefer not to be drugged. And then who would be with me would be someone who would understand that it's a natural process.
4: Yeah, I guess uh would be my wife and daughter would be would be fantastic. But the circumstances, I guess, yeah, if I could choose would probably be in a home, even in your home, as we know, we sometimes you can't be in your own bed because it's up to the stairs or you need some other stuff. And it's like death is very, very messy. The dying part is very, very messy. Um, but but still, if I could have a pillow, <laughs> be on a pillow in a bed versus a roadway or something like that, or ditch, probably uh, be better.
0: You want to know before you're dying that you're going to die and be with people that you love, as opposed to the dying in your sleep or suddenly like walking along and suddenly having a brain aneurysm and dropping dead kind of thing. Am I right that you would prefer to have some consciousness and some ability to say goodbye?
4: I'm torn, I'm not sure myself. Uh, because the complications being consciousness uh, are can be really bad. Uh, I might pre- I might prefer the the sudden death. Uh, the concept of walking along and and dropping dead is it's always embarrassing. Like if you stumble in public, it's like you don't want that, or you fall. You don't you don't want that. I'd rather you know not do that in public, uh, but in my bed, you know, like my mother died just in her sleep. That sounds okay. But I guess maybe ideally the night before. Okay, you're going to die this tonight, so I can. Say goodbye to people, have no qualms, write my last, uh, oh, I don't know what, you know, we're all concerned about what we're going to say. And uh, I wouldn't have a clue. Something like, ah, this is shitty. I didn't, I didn't want to die or whatever. I don't know. Some great moment.
6: I mean, I think ideally, I would like to depart this world surrounded by people who love me and whom I love. So whether that's a partner or children or, you know, the other people who are important, I don't know whether I will have grandchildren, but I imagine they would be included in that. But I think I would prefer not to die in a hospital. It's really poor lighting. (laughs) And so, you know, the... (laughs) I really have a thing against um, hospital lighting. Fluorescent lighting is terrible. And so I would prefer not to die under fluorescent lighting if at all possible. It's just not natural. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine whose mom had passed away recently and she had struggled with cancer for a good portion of her life and ended up opting for the MAID program. So the medical assistance in dying. And in doing so, had a fair amount of autonomy over planning what her death would be like. And that's not something that many of us have. And so she chose to pass away at home, but in her backyard, surrounded by trees and beautiful garden and her husband and both daughters were there with her. And I think that sounds pretty darn good.
3: If I could choose, I would choose to go out in the middle of living. I would prefer not to know that my death was coming and be nice to die doing something I loved. I'd like it to be quick. I'd like not to have pain. I'm sure everybody feels that way. And I would rather not know it was imminent. I don't like goodbyes. I would like to feel I've said what I want to say to people each day.
0: You're listening to CJSR, 88.5 FM, in Edmonton. You're listening to 7 Questions About Death. I'm Beth Janssen. If you'd like to be interviewed, or if you have a comment about the show, please get in touch. My email is 7 death at gmail.com. The 7 is the number 7. Question 5. How do you feel about the fact that you will die?
9: Are you afraid of your death? I think I'm afraid of the process of dying. Because of the associated pain or degeneration or many diseases, Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's, etc. Where you no longer have control of the being that you know yourself to be, right? Or being, or in my case, energy, whatever. The the form that you currently are, losing the capabilities, the control, or the thought process of that is an incredibly scary thought. That's probably the greatest fear I have, would be that. And I can definitely applaud anybody who has had those types of conditions or has known somebody who has them, and those people persevere. And I don't know that necessarily I would have the fortitude to do so. I'm not afraid of my death, no. How do I feel about my own passing? Well, it's an inevitable thing, so I don't think I have any qualms with that.
5: You see, I understand that death is inevitable. I know it's going to happen. As I said, I just want to live long. I want to achieve my dreams, the goals I have. I want to spend more time with family. I want to be able to help people. I want to travel a lot. I just want to enjoy life. So... I'm not afraid because I know it's going to happen. I just hope that when it's happened, I've lived long, I've lived healthy, I've enjoyed my life and I've been truly happy.
4: I'm afraid of dying. Uh, I think that could be really painful. The death, I mean, if it is just nothing, then you can't really be afraid of that. I think it's Epicurus, says, where death is, you are not. Where you are, death is not. You know, it's that sort of degree of consciousness. In that sense, we'll never be dead.
6: Well, I certainly have no interest in dying anywhere in the near future and hope that I don't. I quite like my life. You know, I love the people with whom I share it. And I think that If tomorrow I were diagnosed with a terminal illness or otherwise came face to face with my imminent mortality, I would be quite upset by that. I don't think it would be fear, though. I think it would be anger or frustration at knowing I was going to die and not wanting to yet. I'm not afraid of what happens after because I'm Quite confident that nothing does. In best case scenarios, I don't think it's something that would hurt or be uncomfortable. Hopefully, but but yeah, I'd like to live a good long while yet, and I hope that I do have the opportunity to do so. That's an interesting question, but yeah, I don't think it would be fear. It would be frustration, anger, disappointment, grief, rather than fear.
8: You know it's going to happen. I'm not afraid of it. I kind of want to get everything done, but (laughs) you know you're not going to, and that's okay. I'm not afraid of I will die. I'm afraid of how it's going to happen, because we don't know, and I guess I don't want to know. I always imagined, you know, whatever weird way, you know, we've talked about the ideal way of how the circumstance but the less than ideal circumstance of a, an accident or whatever it is, and you kind of go, wow, is this the is this it? That's your final thought. Wow, so this is how it ends. Question six.
0: Are there any traditions or practices connected with death which you find meaningful?
1: Well, funerals are, I think, meaningful. I'm trying to remember the last time I've been to one, but my, my uncle would joke and call me the funeral singer because when I grew up, I sung at a lot of funerals and that was very meaningful for me. I really remember those experiences vividly and I felt very grateful that I could contribute something of value to those experiences, even though some of the times I knew the people quite well and I was quite emotional, but I... I pulled it together for the <laughs> the performance.
7: Well, actually this one, reading uh, one Buddhist text and there was one of the masters there who made a comment that his master told him that I will die and you will die, that is all you need to know. And uh, that's what my master taught me and that's what I teach you and uh that's something i you know i've taken to heart particularly more lately is just thinking about that it changes everything like your perspective on what's going to happen when you die or even how you live based on the fact that you know that everything is impermanent mm. and i can't take any of it with me you know and it that goes into everything you know memories sentimentality is a big one that's really affected my sense of sentimentality because It's all going.
0: Nothing lasts.
7: What's sentimentality going to do? Holding on to what? To go (laughs) back to what? Like you can't go backwards.
3: Well, in all three of the, well, all five actually of the people uh, that were close to me that died, um, we had memorial services and I would say those were all really meaningful. Probably the one that surprised me the most was my dad's because I thought it would be very hard to be at his memorial service and very emotional. And it was emotional, but it was actually really wonderful. And I was uh, so surprised that that was how I felt. It felt a little bit magical to me, some of the people that spoke. The memorial really captured him and, and many different elements of his life and stages of his life. And I was so glad in the end, you know, I would sort of dreaded it, as I said, and thought, oh, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get through it. <laughs> and in the end, yeah, it was it was just wonderful. It was wonderful to be with people that uh, cared about him and loved him and remembered him and had been part of his life.
2: I use version of uh, the Tibetan Buddhist structure and one is the tradition of for 49 days after the person dies that you would think of them and send them a blessing. When I first was introduced to it, it was just saying a simple blessing like the mantra, Omani Mani Pay Me home. It's just a blessing. And what I loved about that was I could hold the person in my mind, send that up there, and just know it reaches them. And then I noticed over 49 days what that did was it built a relationship with the people that I can't touch physically. Question seven.
0: If you could ask a source of all knowledge some questions about death, what would you ask?
4: Maybe I would ask that uh, all knower, like what the good lesson from death would be.
9: I do believe that the particles of energy that make up me will become the particles of energy that become something else, and then they'll dissipate, and some will go here, and some will go there, etc. But why must there be this cycle? That would be my question.
8: I believe in the mystery of things, and I believe we have to honor the mystery of things. But I guess if I could ask something. I would like to know something about the process, the process of dying.
6: It would be interesting to have some kind of confirmation. You know, it would be real weird to find out, oh no, actually the believers (laughs) um, were right all along and there is some kind of afterlife. Knowing would be interesting.
1: probably many people would ask what, like, what happens after you die? Or can you communicate with people that are still living? I would like to know that piece because if so, I would want to.
3: I think it's a bit of a hard question to answer because when you ask a question, you have to be ready for whatever the answer might be. And... I don't know, maybe ignorance is bliss to some extent. I'm not sure.
2: I would simply say, how may I best be of service through living this life well, dying as well as I can and coming back and being of service.
5: I truly want to know what happens after someone dies what happens to the body can you still feel pain you know I spoke about your good deeds um, comfort you the way you pray comfort you when you die do you feel those things
7: What's the best that I can do so that when I die and I look back, I will be most pleased. You know, that, okay, I did well with the time that I had. And I don't know that that's something you can answer in a sentence or in words. I think it's something that has to be lived. And if anyone could help me with that, they would help me with it by being part of my life.
0: like to extend my heartfelt thanks to the guests in the first nine episodes of Seven Questions About Death. Christina, Leona, Susan, Julie, Malcolm, Napisat, Dana, Jeremy, and Steve. You can listen to past episodes by going to 7QuestionsAboutDeath.com Thank you for listening. You've been listening to 7 Questions About Death. I'm Beth Jansen. If you're interested in being interviewed, or if you have a comment or a question, please get in touch. My email is seven questions about death at gmail.com. The seven is a number seven. Thanks for listening.